We're bringing our first guest, Everett Millman's joining us. The metal specialist at Gainesville Coins is here to help us take a look at, well, gold this morning. Everett, good morning to you. Uh, it seems to be, uh, it's got the technicians going nuts, to say the least. And, well, the bull's optimistic after a key reversal yesterday. Yes, appreciate you having me on, Ben. I think that gold's movement this morning, it seems to be kind of a relief rally here because clearly we've had a major pullback that, as you said, it's really thrown all the technicals in for, for a major shift here. Um, obviously, the stronger dollar is having some effect, but I think that has a lot more to do with what we've seen with the Eurozone. Uh, so that's only having an impact on gold on the margins. But until we get back above about 1730, we're getting close this morning with the rally in gold. But until we get back above that level, I think the bears are firmly in control here. Mm. Um, although I do expect gold to be higher by the end of the year, in the near term, the path of least resistance is still down. You know, it's been a while since I've heard you say that, if ever, Everett, in terms of the bears still being in charge here, you can see how we're below the 50-day moving average. Now, I guess I'm wondering uh, where you see the strength coming from into, you said you think the second half of the year here now or in the beginning of next year, was it? But I'm looking at this, again, from a technician standpoint. This was a key area of support right now. I mean, this is going to be an area, a line in the sand. I rarely say that. Right. Uh, the next level of support uh, that I see is around 1680 in the 1670s. And okay. one of the reasons it's so difficult for traders right now is, as you pointed out, it's been about two years since we've seen the gold market trade at these levels. So we haven't spent a lot of time down in the low 1700s, certainly not below 1700. Um, I think that does have a major effect on the psychology as well. Um, it's kind of remarkable to me how bearish sentiment is in the gold market when we get down to these levels. Um, in you know, sort of my opinion or in my neck of the woods, lower prices are always a, a buying opportunity. Hmm. Now, obviously, uh, with trades on both sides, that's not always the case or how traders look at it. But again, um, the major movement, the major pullback we've seen, it just has thrown all of those technicals for a loop. And I think uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to have to see a lot of shaking out. A lot of positions are going to be uh, liquidated. Uh, so really, the, where the strength comes from for gold is the fact that we know the uh, the Federal Reserve, the ECB, we know that central banks are raising interest rates. We could get a supersized 100 basis point uh, rate hike from the Fed coming up. That, I think, is what's being priced into gold right now. But on the other side of that, we have to see uh, whether or not the recession trade comes back to the forefront, uh, if indeed those higher rates have some effect on employment. Okay, I like that. And I, I want to kind of bring the conversation back to the U.S. dollar here a little bit because uh, it's been our focal point this week. Uh, amidst all the focus on central bank activity, we've been kind of highlighting the currencies. Obviously, the inverse correlation, the basket of currencies has uh, with that U.S. dollar, the focus there, 75% thereof roughly uh, around that range is the euro currency. But here I've got a good chart here. If we could just pull this, the dollar strength on the left, as Everett mentioned here, recently coming off the 109 handle. But here you can see, again, if you can just speak to this relationship a little bit more, Everett, the weakness in gold on the right, again, uh, trend environment uh, in the dollar to the upside here, weighing on price activity. Right. I think that plays into the psychology. Um, it does have some effect on gold, but I do believe that it's really only on the margins. When we're talking about dollar strength, uh, that's the dollar in relation to other fiat currencies. So really what that's indicating is 
the dollar is kicking the butt of all the other currencies around the world. The weakness but in the gold others. is priced. Gold we is call priced it the tail that wags the dog. Exactly. That's yeah. a great way to put it, Ben. I think that that really is more of a mindset. It's more of a headline that affects the psychology of trading. But when it really comes down to it, um, gold is perhaps neutral in all currencies. If you really think about it, uh, it kind of trades like a currency. Um, and from that standpoint, I don't think that the strength of the dollar is going to remain the main narrative here. But it has certainly grabbed attention uh, in the short run. Okay, talk to me about uh, what you're seeing in terms of silver inventories on COMEX. You said in your notes how that's helped support prices around the $19 level. Right. We've seen a major draining of uh, the stockpiles of silver on the COMEX. And although that does happen from time to time cyclically, um, when there's a lot of deliveries being taken, I think it's interesting to see that that has happened at a time when the gold price has pulled back sharply, but silver is really... Uh, maintained and hung out around that $19 level. Uh, interestingly, though, the gold to silver ratio has not improved drastically. Uh, we're still around 90 to 1, which is historically high. Yeah. Uh, I still think that gives silver uh, definitely some, uh, some upward pressure on the silver price we should see, uh, especially if gold does recover fairly quickly. That will lift really, uh, that rising tide will lift all boats in the precious metal space. But on the retail end, there's an interesting, I don't want to call it a rumor, it has been confirmed, although no identities have been revealed. Uh, but uh, on the retail side, a major gold, uh, silver purchase was made earlier this week of 900,000 silver eagles. So we're talking you know, tens of millions of dollars in the silver purchase. And I do suspect that uh, this is not the first time, this is just being made public. I do suspect that that is one of the reasons there's been such a lack of availability of silver bullion on the physical market, because even though, as I pointed out, um, silver's been hanging around that $19 level slightly weaker, uh, the premium on physical silver is still remarkably high. So in the, in the retail marketplace, it's still rather difficult to find a bargain on silver. Um, and so you could take in some sense that that is the real price. Uh, but the lack of availability of investment products outside of derivatives in the silver space really is an interesting dynamic to watch. Because if you're trying to uh, take delivery of a futures contract, if you're trying to cash in um, a certificate to, to get physical silver, there's not much of it to go around right now. So I think that, again, uh, is a sign that we should have some upward price movement for silver going forward. Silver, the end of June was up around 21.22, as we just mentioned, back down to 18 and holding around 19. We just looked at that hourly time frame uh, while you were making those points. If I could just get these charts back up on the screen, because I want to point something out. Here's that hourly, the price decay we've seen in terms of some of those demand concerns. Now, getting back to gold here, Everett, and, and I just want to show this to our viewers. Here's the weekly time frame. So this is going all the way back to we're talking, well, let's just look at the rally up since the beginning of uh, 2020. We saw up to 20, basically 2100, we'll call it sideways. I mentioned a minute ago the support that we've tested a couple times, possibly bouncing off of right now. But what raises some concern for me for the bulls is, well, we were just talking silver. Look how it's broken out of the range that we were just basically looking at the rally up since the fall of beginning of 2020. I should say sideways consolidation and opening up the door to the downside. And lastly, I wanted to get your thoughts on copper here because when you're talking about opening up the door to the downside, I mean, copper's trying to, uh, you know, fight off a seventh week in a row lower here. You can see, I mean, in many ways, this has been a precursor to some of the weakness, whether you're talking gold, silver. But I guess the question here is, I look at silver and copper, 
maybe gold has some more downside uh, uh, potential here if these are sort of leading the move because they haven't necessarily rejected these lower levels as of yet. Right. And as I pointed out, I think in the near term, that is the path of least resistance. That's where we're most likely headed. And Dr. Copper is certainly uh, giving an indication that the global economy is not expected to see strong growth going yeah. forward. Um, it really is that strong indicator of what's going on in the housing market. Uh, but what's interesting to me for copper, uh, when I look uh, at you know where the stuff comes from, where copper is mined mainly, uh, Chile is the world's largest producer of copper, and they just passed a new constitution in which they nationalized all of the country's mining operations. Hmm. So that does mean that the world's major, the number one exporter of copper is likely to be less forthcoming in exporting any of its product. Yeah. Um, similarly, one of China's major mining, copper mining companies uh, in the Congo uh, has also suspended its exports. So we are seeing mainly uh, for geopolitical and, and macroeconomic reasons that some of the major suppliers of copper are getting a bit more protectionist. Um, it does seem that we could get uh, perhaps a supply deficit in copper in the coming years. I think the latest projection was that demand for copper, right, when we get on the other side of this uh, potentially recessionary environment, that over the next decade, the uh, demand for copper is expected to double. So if we have this, uh, these two forces of rising demand for copper and uh, a kind of protectionist international trade environment, um, that would certainly speak to a recovery in copper down the road. But I think that, you know, price does tell us the story here. And uh, the copper market is is rather weak, certainly coming off of those highs. And that does have an effect across the metal space where it, it does, again, look like that downward momentum. Uh, we haven't fully escaped it yet. It has, to say the least. And you bring up some good points there. It kind of gets me back to uh, something we had been talking about here months ago and almost a year ago now that I think of it with, well, with the Russia invasion, it seems like everybody's kind of gone into their own corners and this globalization effort has been uh, abandoned in many ways. So it'll be interesting to watch commodities as the dust settles from all this over the next couple of years and the impact it has on it. A good point there. Uh, appreciate you joining us here this morning. It's uh, a Friday morning. Have a great weekend. Everett Millman, the metal specialist at Gainesville Coin.